Our first reading is taken from the book of Micah in the Old Testament, page 882 in the Church Bibles. The book of Micah, chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief amongst the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and the people will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their, beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine, under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods. We will walk in the name of the Lord our God, forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. And our gospel reading is from St. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. And you can find it on page 916 in your Bible. So page 916... Matthew, chapter 5, 1 to 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, 
and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Some of you uh, may know that uh, for the best part of the last 15 years, I've been taking out every year hundreds of uh, school children over to the battlefields and the cemeteries of northern France and Belgium. For most of those, it's their first visit, and what they see shocks them. It's very, very difficult for them to take it in. When they see thousands of graves, we go to one cemetery with 20,000 French soldiers buried. Another one with 12,000 English soldiers, Commonwealth soldiers. And another one with over 50,000 German soldiers. Most of those are in a mass grave but they've got to try to take that in and make some sense of that. We visit the grave of a 14-year-old boy in Ypres, in Belgium, a 67-year-old lieutenant who died on the Somme, the son of the then Prime Minister, an uncle of our queen, a nurse, and a doctor, the only man who won two Victoria Crosses in the First World War, a man who saved lives rather than destroying them. And finally, we visit the name on a wall, there is no body, of an Irish Jesuit priest Father Willie Doyle, lovely man who was loved by both sides, by Protestant and Catholic. And there's a lovely story about how he went out in the middle of no man's land to rescue a wounded soldier. The soldier said to him, Father, I'm sorry I don't belong to your church. But Willie Doyle picked him up and said, Ah, but you belong to my God. And he took him off the battlefield. The difficulty I have is to get the children to come to terms with the enormity of what we see. People often say to me, oh, it's so good you take children out to see these sights so that we will learn and it will never happen again. But unfortunately, we will never learn and it will always happen as it has since that First World War. And it will always happen because of that eternal problem of violence. The reality is, unfortunately, 
that violence sometimes works. That's why we have an army, a navy, and an air force. 200 years ago, a very wise man, a guy called Edmund Burke, said, in order for evil to triumph, all it takes is for good men to do nothing. And I say to the children, you are surrounded here by good men. Children say, are we walking on dead bodies? I say, yes, but do not worry about that. Those guys are looking down on you and they see you here walking in total freedom and they know what they did was not in vain and you have come to see them. Strange word, freedom, because the odd thing about it is that it's not free. And these men paid that price for our freedom, just as Christ paid the price to atone for the evil that we sometimes do. The soldier in battle mirrors the words of Christ in Gethsemane just before the battle. He may say, Father, take this cup away from me. And later, on the cross, and stranded, wounded, and dying in no man's land on a hot July afternoon, I thirst. So at the end, I invite the children to go out to find a soldier, perhaps a soldier who's never, ever had a visit to place a hand on a headstone, to give that soldier a hug, and just to say two words, thank you. So where does God come into all of this? In coming to terms with the horror of battle, soldiers often resort to just two things. Prayer and poetry. Wilfred Owen, arguably Britain's greatest poet of the First World War, spent much of his youth working alongside a vicar in the Midlands. The war came, and he, like thousands of others, did the honourable thing and volunteered to serve. He served in the Manchester Regiment, was buried under shellfire, suffered with what we would now call post-traumatic stress syndrome, and spent time in a hospital just outside Edinburgh, where he penned this poem that 
tries to explain, to come to terms with what he's been up against. It's a familiar Bible story. So Abraham rose and claved the wood and went and took the fire with him and a knife. And as they sojourned, both of them together, Isaac the firstborn spake and said, My father, behold the preparations, fire and iron. But where the lamb for this burnt offering? Then Abram bound the youth with belts and straps and builded parapets and trenches there and stretched forth the knife to slay his son. When lo, an angel called him out of heaven, saying, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything to him. Behold, a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Offer the ram of pride instead of him. But the old man would not so, but slew his son. And half the seed of Europe, one by one. The poem's theme is simple. God allows us to be free, and in doing so, gives us choices. He gives us a way out, but we don't always take that way that is offered. As for Wilfred Owen, he went back to the fight. He won the, he won the military cross for his courage on the battlefield. And on November the 11th, when the guns finally stopped and the church bells were ringing out all over the country, there was a knock at the door in Shrewsbury, the home of a Mr. and Mrs. Owen. A young man appeared with a telegram to say that just five days earlier, their son, Wilfred Owen, had been killed in action. Wars end, but feelings don't. And nothing will ever change unless we can separate revenge and recrimination from remembrance. That is never easy. Ultimately, to achieve the peace, we have to break the chain. And it can be done. Earlier this year, I was fortunate enough to go out to Western Australia. And I went out to the place that you see on the picture. That's King uh, George's Sound, at a place called Albany. And it is the place, it's a natural harbour 
and it is a place where a huge flotilla of ships assembled together to take thousands of Australians to Europe. There's a huge outer sound and an inner harbour. And the channel between the two, which you see on the image, is called the Ataturk Channel. And there is a statue there of Kemal Ataturk. Now, those Australian soldiers went out to Egypt and then on to Gallipoli, landed on the 25th of April, 1915, and were slaughtered in their droves. The guy leading the Turkish forces was Kemal Ataturk. But here in Western Australia, we have a statue to that man. But if you go to Gallipoli, where those Australian soldiers lost their lives alongside Turkish soldiers, British soldiers, French soldiers, Indian soldiers. But if you go there, there is a monument. And it bears words attributed to Kemal Ataturk. Now, you may not be able to read it from the screen, but these are the words, and the chain is broken. Those heroes that shed their blood and lost their lives, you are now lying in the soil of a friendly country. Therefore, rest in peace. There is no difference between the Johnnies and the Mehmets to us, where they lie side by side, here in this country of ours. You, the mothers who sent their sons from faraway countries, wipe away your tears. Your sons are now lying in our bosom and are in peace. After having lost their lives on this land, they have become our sons as well. So, as we remember on this Remembrance Sunday, we think of and thank those who gave their all many years ago and those who have died since and others who bear the scars of more recent conflicts. In choosing war, we sometimes get it wrong. But sometimes we get it right. A price is paid regardless. But as followers of Christ, we remain mindful of those most powerful words of St. Paul in Romans 8, 35 to 38, and echoed in the last verse 
of that most powerful of hymns in Christ alone. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here, in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Now, we're now going to show you a short video showing scenes from the First World War and some of the cemeteries and monuments of which I've spoken. It will be played to the tune hosts music, but the words of Cecil Spring Rice, who was the British ambassador to the United States throughout the First World War. I vow to thee my country. This was often criticized as some jingoistic, nationalistic hymn, but it's not. And the words are important, particularly that second verse. And there's another country I've heard of long ago, most dear to them that love her, most great to them that know. We may not count her armies, we may not see her king. Her fortress is a faithful heart, her pride is suffering. And soul by soul and silently, her shining bounds increase. And her ways are ways of gentleness, and all her power. 